Welcome to Practice Link On Air. We help physicians find their first or next practices and manage their career transitions. Let's get started. Once you've completed your residency, you can't simply present a stack of your very official looking but disjointed paperwork to recruiters. Physicians need the rubber stamp and a license from the medical board of the state where they're looking for jobs before they can start to practice. Hi, I'm Laura Hammond, Director of Content at PracticeLink. I sat down with Kevin Caldwell, Senior Director of Ancillary Services for the Federation of State Medical Boards at a recent conference. In our conversation, we pull back the velvet curtain on the licensing and credentialing process. We discuss how the Federation of State Medical Boards verifies physicians' documents for state medical boards across the country, enabling you to start your dream practice. So to start us off today, pick a question from our question box. All right, it says, what do you like most about the state where you live? I live in Texas. Uh, I moved there from Indiana. And I can tell you that I hate the winter. <laughs> I love the heat of Texas. And more importantly, we do get cold in Texas, but there's sunshine. Mm. There is always sunshine in mm -hmm. Texas. I, I, I remember a time in Indiana where we went three months without seeing sun. So oh, warm, yeah. cold, sunshine. Yeah. I am with you. I'm a transplant to Louisville, Kentucky from Rochester, New York. Oh, yay. So the two inches of snow we get in Louisville is far better than <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what I imagined uh, winters from Rochester. So, so the Federation of State Medical Boards is a mouthful to say. Yes. <laughs> Can you give us a little bit about what a physician needs to know about the Federation of State Medical Boards. So for, from a perspective of a physician, the Federation of State Medical Boards, it, the Federation is a membership organization for the State Medical Boards. Um, we pull the boards together uh, and try to standardize things. Hmm. Uh, for instance, we have a credentialing verification service. Mm -hmm. That credentialing verification service verifies physician credentials uh, and stores them permanently so that the physician can move around freely across the country and just contact us and say, you've already verified my credentials, now send them to XYZ State Medical Board. Is that the FCVS? That's the FCVS. Okay. Um, the thing that the standardization part of it is that all states accept that mm -hmm. and they accept the way that we do it. And we do it to the highest standards of all state medical boards. Hmm. So some states will get more than what they need but they'll get everything they need. Hmm. So what's the alternative? If a physician doesn't do FCVS, do they have all of their credentials in a box underneath their bed somewhere and they have to well, have the thing, it with them? The thing, the thing about licensure is, is that a physician can't present his own credentials for licensure. It has to be what we call primary source verified, mm -hmm. which means that somebody's gonna to have to go out and ask the medical school directly about a physician's credentials there. Hmm. We don't accept, states will not accept uh, somebody saying, here's my diploma, really, right. you know. <laughs> they're gonna to, to wanna to go to the direct source and get that information. So do you have a staff then that does all of that verifying yeah, for it's the physicians? Yeah, a staff of about 85. Mm -hmm. uh, we verify about 42,000 physicians every year. Wow. Um, our database now is exceeds 250,000 physicians that have come to FCVS. So is there a cost involved? Yes. 
Uh, the initial fee is about $375. Uh, and then every time there's, there's a subsequent fee, in other words, a physician comes back, whether that be next year or 10 years from now, that fee is $90. Hmm. And that's what we do is we update uh, physician uh, demographic information, et cetera, et cetera, and then send that off to the state medical board. Mm -hmm. So walk me through a little bit about how a physician would get started with FCBS. What kinds of things do they need to provide to you? So. What we verify are considered core static documents, mm -hmm. right? Um, where you went to medical school will never change. So we only have to verify it once, and it will never change, and it's static at that point. Uh, things that we check are identity. So we will need to know, you know, some, some proof of identity, whether or not it's a birth certificate or uh, a passport, something that's that's official that it verifies this is who this person says he or she is. Um, we go out and we ask the physician to supply us with the information. Where did you go to medical school? Uh, where did you do your residency training? What kind of licensure examinations did you take? Just those elements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it's, it's a simple online application process. We've recently changed a lot of what we do. Um, we're able, since we capture so much information from positions, we are able to use that information to pre-populate the application. Mm. And we say, this is what we know about you, mm -hmm. or at least what we think we know about you, right? So go in there and just verify a lot of this stuff. So it's a very simple process, it takes less than a half hour, and we start our work at that point. Mm -hmm. So is there any trigger in a physician's career or life, maybe if they move, that would make it so that they then have to contact you again to provide more information or to retrieve their files? What, what would those triggers be? So triggers are typically what we see is that a physician um, ending their residency training will typically get their first license in that state where they're doing their residency. Then somewhere within the next year or two years, they'll they'll figure out where it is their ideal job is, mm -hmm. right? And at that point, then they'll they'll want to get a license in that new state, and that's when they come back to us and they say, "Hey, can you send my credentials now to this new state so I can get a license there?" I see. Um, and then the other end of it is we see retirement uh, physicians scaling down. They want to go ahead and move out to Arizona, right, and get ready for the big retirement, but they want to practice just a few more years. Or um, they'll move to where their, their aging parents are, you know, take care of them there. So those are the kind of triggers that we see. We also see things in, in telemedicine where, you know, someone has to have a license in every state in order to provide uh, services for that state. Um, and then people just want to move to a, a better position, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere different, you know. Texas. Texas, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when a, I know that you also record if there's any infractions or. Right, disciplinary sanction kind mm -hmm. of information, right, we sure do. Um, and we do that because our goal really at the Federation is public safety. Mm. We're, we're concerned about the citizenship, um, you know, every, every state, of course. Um, but that's the charge of the medical boards is to protect the public at their particular states. And what we do is we collect that information from each state and then when a physician either applies for a new state, uh, new state license, um, we'll 
that new state will do a query of the Federation to see if any of the other states have ever taken an action against that physician. Mm -hmm. We also match up physician licensure information with the uh, disciplinary information. So if a physician holds multiple state licenses, and if one of those states takes an action against that physician, we're able to alert the other states that an action was taken mm -hmm. against that physician. That really cuts down on bad physicians mm -hmm. practicing. Sure. So I'm a resident, and I had um, a disciplinary measure taken. And with my supervisor, they said that this, as long as we mediated through, then um, it wouldn't go on my permanent record. Um, as a resident, is there anything I can do to check that? Sure, you have the right. I, I, it's, it falls under what we call FERPA. Now, that's not a throw-up word. <laughs> it, it actually stands for the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. Okay. Okay, which has to do with education hmm. and records, uh, your right to see your records, mm -hmm. your educational records. Since residency is technically education, it's called graduate medical education, or GME. Mm -hmm. It falls under those guidelines. So you have every right as a resident that's graduating to say, just curious, I'd like to see what's in my record. Or you can even say, okay, so if someone were to come to you and, and ask to verify my credentials, what would you say about me? Hmm. And then they are required to tell you what kind of a report they would give you. So would that request go to you or would that go to my residency program? Your residency program. Okay. So okay. even us, we go to the residency program and say, tell me about this doctor, you know? Mm. Were there any negative behaviors that were involved there? Was the doctor ever put on probation, sanctioned, any of that kind of information? Mm -hmm. And then that program director is really obligated to tell us that information. Have you ever come across a physician um, who didn't realize that there was something like that in their file? We, we do every year. Um, it's not necessarily something that's very negative because usually those cases the physician knows mm. that there's something negative mm -hmm. in there. Uh, it's more of a situation where he was told that you know if something happened it wouldn't go on his record, right? Well, did it come to that point? Did, did they actually mediate that and get that settled to where it wouldn't be on the record or did it was just an assumption that it was gonna be taken care of. I see. And so they really didn't fully understand that it wasn't removed because they didn't meet certain guidelines. Hmm. So what happens? Mm-hmm. Is there anything they can do about it? At that point, no. Hmm. <laughs> you know, because what's been said has been said. Um, what, what the state boards are gonna say is, hey, it appears that you falsified information and that's not good moral character and good moral character is the impetus of uh, state licensure. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have the, the degree and the education, but you must also be of good moral character. And lying to someone is not considered good moral character. Sure. And you will get in trouble for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess, I guess my thing to all resident physicians is check. Check with your program director before you leave the institution to see what's in your record. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That way you won't have to lie about it. Right. You'll know exactly. If it's a small infraction, states aren't really going to care about it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they, they just want you to be truthful. Mm -hmm. 
Now, isn't there a review process that goes um, with the licensure for a state and that sometimes you might be before a board in order to have an interview before your licensure is granted? Yes. Um, so a couple things will trigger interviews at state medical boards. Some of the state medical boards still require all applicants to come in for an interview. Hmm. I think it's just to hold the mirror under the nose to th see that they're breathing kind of thing, <laughs> right? Um, but then there are others, like, like in a, in a situation like you just mentioned, where the resident didn't know what was in their, their records, the state may call them in to, to question the physician further to find out what really went on and what happened. Mm -hmm. But it's the, a majority of physicians, I would say probably 95% of them, that won't happen. They'll never have no. to go into a right. board. They just do it online. Right. Easy. Exactly. You get the roll rubber stamp and move on and yeah. practice. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're talking about the uh, that five percent maybe of um, exception to the rule. Right. And uh, right. and that should be encouraging to residents, yeah. especially if they're looking for their right. looking for a move. Right. But but again, I would say to uh, to every resident, know what's in your file. Mm -hmm. Just know it. Mm -hmm. That way you won't have to get into a situation like that. It's, it's a very simple process. It's no different than, than you as an employee. You can go to the HR department and say, I'd like to see what's in my personnel file. Mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. they have to show it to you. Yeah. you know? I remember being in elementary school and always afraid something was going to be on my permanent record. <laughs> yeah. So there really is yeah. a permanent record out there. Yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us, sure. Kevin, and thank you for joining us. You can always join us at PracticeLink.com. Thanks for listening to PracticeLink On Air, where we help physicians find their first or next practices and manage their career transitions. For more helpful resources and jobs in more than 5,000 communities, visit us at PracticeLink.com.